This is episode 27 of the Kindred Mom Podcast. I'm your host, Emily Sue Allen. Hi there, friends. Thanks so much for tuning in. Today, I have two wonderful guests to share with you. They are Lindsay Cornett and Rebecca Crosby. They're friends and collaborators on a monthly newsletter called The Drafting Desk. They explore the theme of perfectionism and how that affects our lives. I've subscribed to their newsletter for quite a while now, and I find their writing to be very insightful and very helpful. Even if you don't think you're a perfectionist, you might find some really good stuff in this conversation. Another thing that I'm really excited to tell you about is something that I've been working on for the last little bit. It's a free gift for our subscribers with 11 strategies to ensure peace and calm during the holidays, which can be so chaotic and busy and full of a lot of things that bring anxiety and stress. This is an eight-page PDF that I've worked on with some ideas about how you might really pursue peace in the midst of this very busy season. If you want a copy of it, you can go to kindredmom.com slash minimize holiday stress and sign up to receive your copy. Those who have already subscribed to the Kindred Mom email list will have received a copy already, and we hope that you enjoy this resource as you move into the holiday season. Well, today I have with me Rebecca Crosby and Lindsay Cornett. How are you ladies? Doing well. Excited to be here. Yes, thank you. Yeah, I would love to get our conversation started. I am having you on as guests to this show because I subscribe to your newsletter on the Drafting Desk, which I'd love for you to tell us about in a little bit. But you also have each contributed some essays to the Kindred Mom community on the blog this year. And I'm just eager to connect with you and grateful for the ways that you have been involved in our community. Oh, thank you. It's really fun to get to chat with you on here. And I love what you're doing with Kindred Mom. And I love the writing that you feature there. So this is really fun. Well, I would love to begin with you, Lindsay. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about your family and maybe what you write about on your own blog? And then we'll move on to Rebecca after that. Sure. Um, My husband, Evan, and I have been married for seven years. We have three kiddos. Ian is four. Leo is almost two. And Ruthie um, is almost 10 months old. And um, so they keep us very, very busy. Um, And we live in Michigan. We were born and raised Floridians. Um, And that's where I met Rebecca in Orlando. We were on staff at a church together there. Um, But we moved up to Michigan a few years ago for my husband's job. And so we um, are adjusting to life in the great white north. It's been a big transition for us, but we love it up here. We um, watch a lot of college football and spend a lot of time in our backyard, and it's really great. I write a lot about faith and motherhood and creativity and kind of the intersection of all of those things. And I write a lot about my um, personal journey and experiences with perfectionism and learning to let that go um, and experience freedom instead, which is what we'll talk about more when we talk about the drafting desk. But yeah, that's a little bit about me and my family. And Rebecca. So my husband, Dan, and I have been married for 13 years and we have two daughters. 
Um, mm-hmm. Our older daughter, Evelyn, is nine and our younger one, Daisy, is three. Um, they are a lot of fun. Like Lindsay said, they keep me busy. They definitely mm-hmm. keep us on our toes. Um, and at about six years apart, they have completely different interests and hobbies and one, you know, we're driving one to preschool and one to elementary school and Mm -hmm. it's just a, it's a busy time, but they're so much fun. And, you know, they, they fight and wrestle like I did not expect little girls to do at all, but they are also super sweet and just love each other so fiercely. And I just love watching that on my blog is called write the rough draft. And over there, I, really similar to what Lindsay writes about. Um, topically, I write a lot about motherhood and about faith. Um, there's definitely a lot of themes having to do with grace and perfectionism, which is mm-hmm. what Lindsay ended up calling me up and asking me about the job mm-hmm. on because she picked up those same things. She said, you know, you know, we write kind of along some about similar things. I was like, do we? <laughs> anyway, <laughs> we can talk about that in a minute. But um so that's that's my blog, yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks for being here, both of you. Since we have referenced it a couple times now, let's jump in to talking about the drafting desk. And can you tell us, first of all, what it is for those who don't know, how you got started with it, and kind of what your vision is for this project that you're working on? Yeah. So um, I, the drafting desk is a monthly email newsletter and we say that it is for the recovering perfectionists among Mm -hmm. us. It's really for anyone who is kind of tired and worn out from the constant pursuit of better and really wants um, to experience more of the grace and the freedom that Jesus promises us. So we send an email once a month that is just full of encouragement. Um, we always say that we are not experts about this. Mm-hmm. We're on the journey with all of our subscribers. Yes. Um, but we it really was birthed out of my experiences and my journey with perfectionism. You know, I've always been a perfectionist when I was a kid. It was about following all the rules and getting straight A's. But as I got older and I got married and I had started having kids, it really was um, a lot deeper than that. And I would just get to the end of every day and feel totally defeated. And I was standing in church one day and hearing a song about, and we were singing about freedom. And I just thought, I have no idea what that means. And over the past few years, Jesus has really just begun to change my heart. And, and I've been able to really let go of a lot of that perfectionism. Like I said, it's not, um, it's not done yet. It is a journey for sure. But I, um, just felt that I wasn't alone in that. And I wanted to start some kind of project just to talk with other women about that, um, about perfectionism, about these kind of impossible expectations that we put on ourselves, or maybe that culture puts on us. And, I knew Rebecca a little bit from working together at our church, like I said, but I didn't know her super well in real life, but I had been reading what she was writing on her blog and on Instagram. And I knew that I would need someone to help kind of keep me accountable if I was really going to do this project. Um, and so I just felt like I needed a partner and I reached out to Rebecca. Um, and maybe you want to take it from there, Rebecca. 
Yeah, it's funny because that's the story that I tell every time when people ask me, how did you guys get connected with each other and Mm -hmm. how did this all start? And I was like, well, it's really funny because we worked together, but we didn't really know each other very well until after really after you moved away, I felt like was when we really started reading each other's writing and following each other online and all that sort of thing. And so Lindsay sends me this email And what the subject line was just an idea, dot, dot, dot. And then she just kind of threw it all out there. Like, here's what I'm thinking. And I think that, that we write about similar topics. And I think that we might have some of these shared struggles and, and stories that we could share together. What, what, you know, what do you think? And at first, and I tell this story all the time, I was like, what is she talking about? I'm not a perfectionist. (laughs) Um, I don't know why she's asking, like, what made her think of me? This is, that's just, no, I don't think so. You know, and then, you know, I, I kind of bounced the idea off my husband and the more I thought about it and the more I, I had to go back and look at my own writing and I went, oh my goodness, because I'm not, I had never, um, I had never seen myself as a perfectionist. That wasn't a label that I felt like I connected with at all. And I thought, I don't know if we start doing this and we have to write about this same topic month to month to month. It's like, surely I am going to run out of things to say so fast on this topic. And of course, here we are. We've just passed the one year mark and I am not running out of stories at all. (laughs) Like I have a, a, Uh, plenty of stories on, on this subject to share, because what I found, like what Lindsay said is that this is a journey that we're on as well. And, um, I just feel like God is changing me through writing about this. And there's a sense of accountability there too. Um, that the more that I'm writing about this, the more that I'm processing and I'm actually dealing with some of these tendencies in my own life. And I'm seeing the fruit of that, start to come. And I wrote about that in our birthday issue. And, um, just, I'm starting to see God set me free from some of those things. And it's really, really neat to be able to look back over a year's worth of our writing and sharing these stories and see how far God's brought us in this process. Yeah. I have loved your newsletter. It's one of the things that I receive every month that I just, I always read it. Um, and I just do find a lot of value and encouragement. I think mostly because it seems very connected to your real current lives. Not like you are bestowing this wisdom that you have accumulated from years of experience, but <laughs> it is like you are just looking for the the faithfulness of God through your story and through the present things that you're experiencing. And I really have loved it. So thank you and well done. Great job. Okay, <laughs> um, thank you. Yeah, I would love to know a little bit more about as you have written on this topic for your newsletter what has that pursuit of grace instead of perfectionism looked like um, both in your life, but also maybe more specifically with respect to mothering? Well, you know, I, the first thing I thought of was there was this, this after this evening where um, I was cooking and I was making a, I had a pot of spaghetti boiling and I had meatballs frying in a pan and everything is almost done. And all of a sudden I realized that I, 
had no pasta sauce. And maybe someone who's a better cook would have been able to improvise, but I could not improvise. I was like, this whole dinner is ruined. And my Ian, my oldest, came like toddling into the kitchen. I think maybe he was two years old. And I let out this like groan, you know, I was so frustrated. And he came up and, you know, he asked me like, what was happening? And I told him and he just said in his little toddler voice, you know, that okay, mama, like you don't need to be sad. And I think about that all the time because really he was just repeating something he had heard me say to him a bunch of times. But perfectionism for me, most of the time manifests itself as like a fear of failure and an aversion to risk taking and just really beating myself up over mistakes that I make, whether big or small, and just having a really hard time letting mistakes go. And I don't want that to be true for my kids. You know, I don't want them to be afraid to make mistakes because I really do believe that that's how we learn and that's how we grow. And that's a lot of times how we are transformed. And well, I know that it's just hard to live it out for myself sometimes, but I just, you know, sometimes you just desire better for your kids than you even do for yourself, you know? And because I don't want my kids to be paralyzed by the same fear of failure and perfectionism Mm -hmm. that I so often have been, um, it really just makes me want to do better and want to, um, accept the grace that Jesus offers because I want my kids to be able to accept it too. And I know they have to see me model that. Rebecca, have you had experiences with that as well? Yes. I have to echo those sentiments wholeheartedly. Um, especially with my older daughter, now that she's an elementary schooler, she's nine years old. She's you know, we're getting into those tween years and more and more, I'm starting to see little bits of my, myself in her. Mm -hmm. And I just, I go, Oh no. You know, when I see the parts of myself that I don't like, and I see them being reflected in, in her personality as well, whether that's just genetics Mm -hmm. or whether it's, she's mimicking my, you know, the behaviors that she's witnessing me because, you know, they're always watching. (laughs) They're always watching. Oh my goodness. And So I know that she is so attentive to every little reaction I give, you know, a a funny look on my face, the way that I handle any situation. Mm -hmm. And, um, and now that she's the age that she is, we're, I'm able to have conversations with her about what perfectionism is Mm -hmm. and how it's affected me and how I want something better for her. You know, I want her to be able to, um, to understand grace. I think for the longest time, you know, I was an adult before I really understood how much grace God gives has given us Mm -hmm. and, and that, and that, that sets us free. Um, and that can change the whole way we live our lives. And I feel like, you know, sometimes I think maybe all moms might say that their firstborn is like their, their trial run with motherhood. Mm -hmm. And you're like, Oh, I'm so (laughs) sorry. Cause you were my first one. And now I knew better. And, um, But I feel like since she was, you know, the age that her younger sister is now, I feel like I've changed so much. And I'm just hoping that um, that she and I can keep having those conversations. You know, I see her getting frustrated over homework or something didn't go just the way she wanted it to. And I and we're able to have conversations about, you know, that she doesn't need to earn my love, Mm -hmm. that she doesn't earn my affection by earning good grades and that sort of thing that I want her to do her best. But that no matter what, you know, I said, if you come home with all F's on your report card, do you know what? 
I will still love you exactly the same because you're my child. And Lindsay wrote about that. Mm -hmm. I don't know, maybe a couple months ago about our identity, um, being we are children of God. And that's why he loves us. He doesn't love us because of something that we do. Um, he loves us because we're his children. And there's just so many, there's just so much good stuff there. Um, that, that, you know, that can affect the way that we, um, the way that we interact with our kids and the way I respond to them messing up, you know, my, that same daughter, um, she's nine, but she cut her own hair earlier this week. <laughs> and I didn't see that one coming because she's typically a, a rules follower. And, um, and she took the scissors to her hair and boy, she was not phased by it at all. She didn't care that she had just you know, taking a chunk off the front of her hair, but I was having the hardest time with it. And I was like, this is not about her. This is about me. This is about me putting, you know, me needing to have myself and my family looking, you know, all put together and, and, uh, and not messy. And, you know, I'm not the yeah. mom whose kid goes in her room and cuts her hair, you know, and it was about me. And, you know, so I'm still dealing with those things all the time. Um, and so anyway, but I've learned so much through, through writing on these topics, because I feel like if that had happened a few years ago, I might've reacted really badly, mm -hmm. um, as opposed to, you know, the way we were able to handle it this week. So, yeah, yeah I think it's really interesting in the conversation about perfectionism, how, um, I, I guess I just want to make the distinction that, you know, pursuing excellence and doing things well is not the same as perfectionism. Yes. And perfectionism, I, I actually really struggled with that in my younger life. I actually haven't since I've been a mother, I think, because it's just been a crash course in humility. <laughs> but um, I, I did really struggle with that through my high school and college years. And I, at that time, I did not see myself as a creative person in any way. And anything that I tried to do creatively, whether it was writing or uh, painting or anything, there were a lot of things I wanted to try. I would start and be, if it wasn't perfect from the, my first try, then I just gave up. Yeah. And um, as I have processed this idea over the years, I, I think that perfectionism isn't the pursuit of excellence is something where we determine the value of something without really exploring it completely and so yes. often can rob, can rob us of experiences and learning opportunities and creative work and relationships and yeah. all kinds of yeah. things that we don't realize that we're going to miss out on because of that tendency and so with that context in mind, I would love to know um, from either of you through your writing on this subject and conversations together, what are the most powerful lessons you have learned about perfectionism over this last year? I think, um, you know, I, I really relate to what you're saying, Emily, and I think that we sort of think of perfectionism as a personality thing. Like either we are a perfectionist or we aren't. And I, we encounter so many women as we talk about what the drafting desk is who, you know, say, Oh, well, I'm not a perfectionist. You should see my messy mm -hmm. kitchen. Or like I have so many overdue library books or whatever the case may be. But really it's not so much about like what we do and how we do it as it is about where we find our value. Um, mm -hmm. 
And on our website, kind of right in the middle, we've got this tagline that says the opposite of perfection isn't imperfection, it's freedom. And that's really the big thing for me is that I used to think that if I wasn't being a perfectionist, that that probably meant I wasn't trying hard enough or I wasn't doing my best or I wasn't reaching my full potential or something like that. But that's not Mm -hmm. really the case. It's really about like Rebecca was saying earlier, knowing where our value comes from, that it's not determined by our to-do lists or our productivity or our credentials or any of those things, but that it's just defined by being a child of God and, um, and no amount of trying hard or not trying hard to be better or best at something can change that. Yes. I think the key word for me in all of this has been finding freedom, that word freedom, like over and over again, that's the thing. Um, I was telling Lindsay and then I wrote a little bit about it in last month's issue about that. I had, um, a friend ask me like, well, you know, she, she was having a hard time wrapping her mind around this concept, um, that we're writing about this, basically this same overall topic from month to month. Um, she was like, I don't understand, you know, how many times you need to tell someone mm-hmm. it's okay to not be perfect. And I got to thinking about it and I thought as long as it takes to sink in because you're missing out on so much freedom, um, that's just right there. Like I've found freedom from that, that need to strive to earn love and acceptance. Um, freedom from putting my value in my achievements Mm -hmm. and then feeling on the flip side, feeling like I have no worth if I haven't achieved this or that, um, freedom from chasing the approval of people when really that doesn't matter. That just becomes, um, something that we chase after in place of seeking after God and, um, and believing that we are who he says we are. Um, so that's been monumental for me just over the past year that we've been working on this together. That's been a major life changer. It just changes your perspective as you face your day. You know, I'm going to live freedom. I'm going to, I'm going to live in freedom knowing that I am who God says I am. Mm -hmm. And I can love my kids in that same way. I, I can show them that this is how we can live when we're living in light of grace and not in light of you know, we're trying to do everything ourselves um, and earn something that can't be earned in the first place. Yeah, I think, too, when you're able to change your perspective from perfection being the goal, um, I see this happen in my daily life with my family all the time where we're going along and the day has been in quotations, perfect for, you know, Mm -hmm. so many hours and then something happens and the whole thing comes crashing down. Mm -hmm. Well, we might be at 11 o'clock in the morning and we have a whole day still (laughs) to weather, you know, and am I going to let, you know, my focus on trying to achieve a certain level of um, togetherness and, you know, Mm -hmm. being put together and fixing all the problems or am I going to see that we need a reset, like, there are things about just the nitty gritty days of motherhood that if we're focused on perfectionism, then we don't see the value in the the mundane, challenging, you know, constant rub of building our character and our children's character through all of these daily tasks together if we're not able to see that the day as a whole can still be salvaged and the, mm-hmm. you know, like if a mistake is the only thing that we can see, then we miss all the other beauty in the picture. Yeah, exactly. Yes. 
Yeah, I just feel so much more contentment and so much more at peace when I am able to just let some of that stuff go, let my, you know, impossible expectations for the day or for myself or for my responses to my kids or any of those things. When I can let some of that go, it really does free me up, like you said, to just enjoy and see a little bit more of the beauty that's around me. Well, I want to switch gears just for a minute. Um, We have some holidays coming up, Thanksgiving and Christmas, and I would love to hear about some of the ways that you both um, celebrate those with your families. If you have a special tradition or um, things that you really strive for on those holidays um, to make it the most meaningful time that you can. Well, we have what would definitely fall more into the category of quirky traditions Mm -hmm. on my side of the family more so I don't know how meaningful it would be to anyone else but when we were growing up I have I have four sisters and there's a huge age gap from the oldest to the youngest and so um you know now we're all adults and and so we've got older nephews and nieces anyway there's usually you know 15 to 20 people, just immediate family at Thanksgiving dinner. But when we were growing up, my grandmother used to bring a gigantic bucket of cheese puffs, like cheese balls Mm -hmm. to Thanksgiving. I think that she thought it was, it was her effort to, you know, bring something that was fun for the kids. And I don't know if she thought that we really liked them or something. And I (laughs) I just remember feeling like I don't understand why Grandma Faith always brings us this giant like Costco tub of cheese balls, but it became kind of like a family joke. Mm -hmm. And then after she passed away, my younger sister kind of took up the reins. And so she now shows up to to Thanksgiving every year with this giant tub of cheese balls. I love that. Somewhere along the lines, we decided, you know, what better use for a giant tub of cheese balls than to have a contest to see who can catch as many as they can in their mouth without (laughs) dropping some. So I'm terrible at this. Um, but this has become a Thanksgiving tradition in my family. So every year on Thanksgiving in the afternoon after dessert and everyone's kind of settled down, we, this year, this past year, we did it in the driveway because it's a giant mess, like cheese balls all over my mom's kitchen. But anyway, <laughs> totally not a typical holiday tradition, but it's something that we, we all look forward to and it's silly and fun and meaningful for us. And it reminds us of our grandmother, even though she would have probably been horrified at what yeah. we're doing with the cheese balls. <laughs> <laughs> I love that so much. I love how personal that is. And I can totally see why that would be super meaningful. <laughs> Lindsay, do you have anything? Yeah, you know, my favorite Christmas tradition is one that really belongs to my husband's family that I have just gotten to marry into. But um, every Christmas Eve, everyone gathers at his grandma and grandpa's house. Mm -hmm. My mother-in-law is one of seven kids, and there are just dozens and dozens and dozens of grandkids at this point, my husband's cousins. And on Christmas Eve, everyone gathers in their living room, and his Aunt Amy sits at the piano, and we all sing Christmas carols together. Mm -hmm. And some of the families will prepare like a special song, and the youngest kids will always do Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer 
scripture and someone reads um, the Christmas story out of the gospel of Luke and someone else reads the night before Christmas. And then at exactly like the stroke of midnight, all Mm -hmm. the grandkids get to open their presents from grandma and grandpa Shannon. And it is just to Mm -hmm. me like the epitome of coziness and festivity. Mm -hmm. And I just love it so, so Mm -hmm. much. So good. I love that. Well, thank you for sharing those fun memories and traditions. Uh, the one yeah. thing that my family does every year is I decided a couple years ago that I just don't really enjoy buying store-bought decorations <laughs> unless they're mm-hmm. like if they're handmade from a really like cute, quirky shop, that's different. But just like decorations from Target or, you know, somewhere that is mass produced, I just decided that was just not going to work for me. And so we started a tradition of every Christmas we create something that goes in the decor category um, to add to our Christmas dash that we make together. And so last year I made a banner that has um, it's all red flags and the front says peace and the backside has all of our handprints, uh, one on each flag for our mantle. And, um, you know, I, I didn't, necessarily start it the first year thinking this is something we're going to do every year but we have done it for the last couple years now and it's just something I really enjoy because every time we get the Christmas box out not only are we getting out the things that we have bought from big box stores um, Mm -hmm. but here are oh remember when your hand fit on this and like just the the sentimental memories of making them together also just been um, really meaningful for me so that's what we do that's really special that is really neat Well, ladies, it's been so awesome talking with you. Um, I hope that listeners of the Kindred Mom podcast will go and check out The Drafting Desk. And I will leave a link to that in the show notes, as well as links to both Rebecca and Lindsay's websites. And uh, I have invited Lindsay to share a special benediction at the end of this episode because she writes those often on her Instagram account. And I just love them every time. So, Lindsay, will you share that with us? Sure. Um, Here is a benediction for all of us moms who are tired of constantly striving for better. May we learn to recognize all the ways perfectionism can manifest itself in our lives and may we boldly and bravely say no more. No more to people pleasing, to endless self-help or to defining our worth based on the completion of our to-do lists. May we fight perfectionism not with our white knuckles, not with our degrees or our credentials and not with our lists and resolutions. Instead, may we fight perfectionism perfectionism with freedom, grace, and joy.